Greetings, Wargamers. We're your hosts, Trevor, Jay, Josh, and this is Shane Attack. Attack. is sponsored by Discount Games Incorporated. Discount Games Incorporated specializes in customer service, low prices, and prompt shipping. You can find our web store at www.discountgamesinc.com. Welcome to Chain Attack. I'm your host, Trevor, and I frankly suck at Marvel Snap. <laughs> uh, I'm Jay, and I feel like I'm pretty decent at Sumplete at this point. I've been playing it still pretty regularly. I'm Josh, and Baba is you. I, I am by turns completely brilliant. And completely <laughs> an idiot, depending on the day you catch me. Have you, uh, have the two of you gotten much farther in, in that game? I'm, I'm still in, I think, the third area. I'm, okay. so I was in the, what's it called? There's like island level and there's yeah, like the lake. I think I'm in like a factory level or something now. Yeah, I was I was in the island level. I got to there's three three things. It's eight, nine, and ten, I believe. And I can't. I just I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but I I can't figure them out. So so far the hardest level for me was one that had a robot. So have you done a robot level yet? Yes. Okay. Did you beat it? Yes. Well, you're smarter than me, but I think I did actually finally beat it. But Jehoshaphat took me a while. So, I I am I'm, I'm not packed yet, and I still have a bunch of crap to do. Oh and my gosh, you're channeling my wife right now, apparently. Um. Well, so the reality is that so I, I I'm going to Chicago tomorrow, and of late, um, my average bedtime has been two or three o'clock in the morning, and I probably need to wake up at like. 4.30 in the morning for my flight. Everything about this plan is sounding more and more problematic. <laughs> I mean, the so I'm going to stay up late. I'm going to spend time with Brian, and then I'm going to wake up early, sleep on the flight, and then take a nap when I get to Chicago, and it'll be fine. Um, <laughs> but I did, I, I did have, you know, thinking of Adepticon, um, I'm I, I'm doing the same thing as as last year. I'm going to do, you know, dinner with some friends beforehand, and then go to a friend's basement and avoid the convention. Um, <laughs> but I it did get me curious. I wanted to ask you to um, do a series of questions, I guess, about conventions. So the the first one is, um, do you miss traveling or going to conventions? Oh, my short answer to that is yes. Okay. What about you, Trevor? Yeah, I do. And so what what part of what what are the things that you miss the most? Um, well, not the dealing with airports or airport people <laughs> or um huh, yeah. Yeah, there's not a lot actually that I like. Um, the parts I do like, I guess. <laughs> Are the the people you know you I enjoy the people. Sure. Uh, I mean, honestly, for me, I just what I miss is just sort of the unfettered, basically uninterrupted uh, ability to game. Sure. Yeah. It basically gives you a weekend where you're going and uh, just yeah. main gaming for for the weekend. Yeah. Basically, you know, and, and I'm I'm fine to stop for one meal per day. You know. <laughs> so. That that led to kind of my my follow up thought or follow up question. Um, like if you were to uh, 
you know, pick a convention that you were going to try to go to again. Am I correct in guessing that uh, Board Game Geek Con would probably be the the top of the list? Uh, for me, that is the case. Yes, I think all that, pretty much indisputably. Uh, also, for me, um, I don't see any need to go to any other type of con at this point. Board Game Geek Con would be the pinnacle. Sure. And I mean, part of it for me too, Jay, is like, I'm so disconnected now from minis and what have you, right? Sure. I was thinking um, more something like, would a convention like Gen Con, uh, if that would have appeal to you? Uh, it would. Yeah, I I still wouldn't mind that. But definitely, like I'm to, the way Trevor expresses is where I've sort of arrived. I'm just like. I would prefer nothing more than to what did you describe it as mainline <laughs> yeah mainline, mainline board games essentially yeah, yeah 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 so interesting well uh are are you guys going to so one of the local conventions is uh saltcon which which is a I've never been but my understanding is that it is actually quite a good board game convention yes it's become quite comparable to BGG with for us much Super less easy. travel yeah, yeah much like much easier travel trevor would not have to have the airport people problemas etc in that case yes, that's true yes is that something that you guys have attended recently slash want to attend in the future i can't um, you've gone once to, haven't you trevor yeah we went together yeah um i yeah i would i would go again i think that it's definitely um worth the time and effort so okay, I was just curious. I remember at one point there was a, a plan that um, actually I think it got taken over by board game geek con. I can't remember, but there was like this plan where Josh was going to get a cabin and we were going to do like a private weekend of gaming. And it was going to be like in celebration of you winning your primary or something like that. Yeah. I still desperately desire to do that. I but mean, yeah, I do think the power did, is in you. <laughs> did, yeah. Thank you. Captain planet. <laughs> I do feel like maybe it was BGG took that over. Yeah, like I think it, just it maybe took that was. weekend or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, what would? How long do you think? It, do you think that it would uh, be possible to do uh, the King's Dilemma in in one weekend if we sequestered ourselves? A hundred percent. I think it would be. I think it would be possible to do in two days without too much challenge, right? Because I I feel like you would you would willingly spend like your morning playing several games of it, break for lunch, maybe have a palate cleanser, and then you know afternoon and evening, and and by then you're probably past the halfway mark, and then you just rinse repeat the next day. Okay, well, <laughs> Jay's like consider. I mean, I don't. I feel like I'm not the necessarily the hard sell on this. Oh, but. you're not. Yeah, all the limiting <laughs> factors are me. <laughs> the real question is, you know, if we if we get an Airbnb somewhere near uh, Bear Lake, you know, th- that's the real question is how far do you guys want to? It wouldn't be airline travel. <laughs> how far do you want to travel to be appropriately sequestered? I mean, I don't have to travel to be sequestered. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> but these, I guess, these are all uh, inner questions to ask yourself. Like, is your uh, father's game room a <laughs> well yeah the truth is to get my dad anymore that's about what you have to do mm. um all right well so things about uh discount game sync i if if you haven't followed us on um I've, 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 i've been trying to do a bit more of a social media post or push and so um an easy way to follow us in more places if you want to uh basically any of the automated emails that we send out whether it's an order confirmation etc um it will have some links at the bottom and you can follow us on discord on um snapchat tiktok you know etc etc and you can use the social media program that your heart desires um so trevor there is i i didn't realize this until you mentioned it but this game is currently the 
number one game on the hotness list. Yes. At Board Game Geek. That's and correct. Wait, for real, the game that we're going to talk about? Wait, real quick, Jay, before you move off of Discount Games, Inc., has the one ring been found at Discount Games, Inc.? It, the set, I mean, the set's not releasing until Dang it. summer. Fine. Well, it's spring, so, you know, you can understand why. It, I no, no, that. Josh. We're in 15th winter. <laughs> but what about second winter? <laughs> All right. Uh, I may real, return to uh, quizzing Trevor. Sure. So real quick, before we get to Let's Go to Japan, uh, the number two game on the hotness is a board game titled Earth. And it's one that I hadn't heard of other than I had just been solicited recently for it and the sales rep said that it was going to be you know super popular the cat's freaking meow evidently yes um had had either of you heard anything on that game i have been seeing like posts of it on instagram but i haven't read too much about it yet but geez it looks like ark nova or terraforming mars it looks in that vein mm-hmm. it, it freaking looks gorgeous too for the record the cover art is certainly um eye-catching yeah and like the art on the cards and stuff is is all quite striking it's interesting the the playtime for it is only 45 to 90 minutes but anyways so trevor you said in the the discord that um we needed to talk you out of (laughs) backing a kickstarter i love that we basically run like a Alcoholics Anonymous clinic where you go and ask the fellow alcoholics to talk you out of buying booze. Jeez. And so I guess how did this get on your uh, radar and what interests you about it? Okay, so um, I'm a fool. Let's start with that as my yes. basis for my argument. Fair basis. Um, and I don't know how long ago it was. But I went down this rabbit hole of looking at board games being created on Kickstarter. And I realized that I've you could... i made the same mistake, Trevor. I, I feel you. I realized that you could follow people, not just your friends. So I started following game creators. And um, I haven't gone back and updated it, but the, a bunch of the people... Like I follow Jamie Stegmeyer on on kickstarter and a few other people and honestly this is the most horrible thing i could have ever done (laughs) because these guys are the people who are in touch with the community and so they know when these games are going to you know appear on kickstarter you're seeing the people who are in the know you're seeing what they are you're basically, they're back following, you're basically following Heisenberg on social media for crystal meth. Correct. Like I am, I, I get emails that says when these people, uh, back a project. So I woke up this morning, um, and, uh, I don't remember. It's about 10 o'clock. I, I get this slew of emails of like three people all backing the same game. And, you know, it's, Usually I can kind of ignore them because they sometimes back things that are a little more esoteric. Yeah. Esoteric than I'm, I'm interested in. So I'm like, eh, whatever. I'll look at it. I see this game that's called let's go to Japan. And I'm like, okay, that's clearly not for me, (laughs) but I'm like, curiosity has me at this point. I click on the link. I go to the, I go to the, um, to the Kickstarter and the, um the pitch like right at the top of kickstarter just it like enthralls me because it's one of these things where i'm like this is an amazing idea and it's so different than anything i have seen thus far i I should also mention that the publisher is aeg which i don't have an issue with aeg other than they don't necessarily in traditionally they haven't been a big euro style uh publisher They've been more. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to. This is maybe too generic to say this, but they they they've kind of stuck towards more uh, Ameritrash style games, which is okay. But they're they have they don't have a good track record for the best games that they picked. Um, and so I kind of assumed that that it was something like that. Well, 
I, you know, go in there and the pitch is, let's go to Japan. You are travelers planning and experiencing your dream vacation to Japan. And, and you, you look and you have an itinerary, uh, these, all these days of the week. And you're basically, I don't know if you're buying or drafting these cards to create your, your activities during each day. And, um, I went into it and started reading a little bit more about it. And the designer's story was really intriguing. Um, I'm just going to read it real quick because it is interesting. In April 2020, designer Josh Wood was supposed to visit Japan on a vacation. He and his girlfriend had saved for and meticulously planned. Due to the pandemic, they had to cancel their trip. Josh instead spent that time going through all his travel plan notes and doing hundreds of hours of research to create this game. This was a way for him to bring the trip to life in a creative way. So now it says, and now Josh invites you to to join the unique experience of planning your own trip to to Japan. Anyway, so I just started looking at it, and it's like it's got tons of buzz. Um, it looks incredibly interesting. Like the theme is completely unique and different from anything I've ever seen in the board game community. Um, and it's got some great art, and the mechanics look sound. Like I'm not finding anything that should be turning me away. I am sitting here racking my brains because I cannot think of the name of there was a game that I I just wondered how it compared that involved um, kind of living your life. So like you, you know, early life, you're drafting cards to kind of, you know, um, craft your education and um, and then, you know, like in the subsequent rounds, you're drafting them to. you know, get a career and maybe potentially get a love interest. And, and then by the final round, it's almost like you're drafting and, you know, until you die and, you know, what is your legacy and that kind of stuff. Do you, does that ring a bell to you? I just wonder how similar kind of the mechanics and the experience that, and I've only played it a couple times, but it was really cool. Um, gosh, dang it. But I cannot remember. <laughs> yeah. The, the, your description is not, is not, not ringing, ringing any bell. bells. I can't even get Board Game Geek to bring it up. I clearly don't even know how to ask the right question. Is it is it one that we've played before? That I've played with you? I can't remember if you played it or not, but it was like we played it at either a Salt... Or not we, but I played it at a BGG or a Salt Con or something. It is bugging me so much that I cannot think what it is. But uh, anyway, don't let me distract. I, I want to hear more about Let's Go to Japan. <laughs> I mean, I honestly don't have... But, um... All I have is is what I've seen thus far, which is just like the introductory on a on a Kickstarter. I know nothing more about it. I'm trying to break the habit of so <laughs> the, the the bad part is here's the thing. I got a new um uh a new Kickstarter box today, okay? And um I sort of realized that maybe I was starting to regret some of these purchases because like I'm they're showing up and they're just staying in their box. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I'm not doing anything with them. I'm not playing them. Oh, my I'm, mosaic and my um, edge of darkness are calling to you, Trevor. Yeah. I, I hear yeah. this. Yeah. And so I'm trying to figure out like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out what I should. I there. So it does feel like, obviously I, I don't think that this game will have as much of the issue that, I, that I'm going to talk about, but in general, you know, there's, there's a lot of the kickstart. I mean, what would you say the average return time is from backing something to receiving it? Oh gosh. Way too long. I think the average is 18 months. Uh, 18 months is probably it's somewhere between a year and 18 months. I feel like 18 months is the longest I've ever seen it. Uh, I think you're wrong. I think it's way longer than that. Like I think the average is closer to two years. And I guess it would be better for me to to likely say the median instead of average because of sure. various the median is clo- yeah the median is closer to eighteen months. Okay. I will believe that. Okay. So my my issue is that like the things that I'm interested in <laughs> something I'm interested in right the disconnect now disconnect between excitement oh yeah go on I I like where this is going Jay and what I'm interested in in eighteen like in 18 months is just tends to be very wildly different. And so, yes, I'm excited for this now. Am I going to be excited for it in 18 months? 
maybe, maybe not. But and I, and so, again, so I ask again later. I believe is what the Magic Eight Ball says. Sure. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like I said, I I do think that this is likely a game that you would um you know have the the interest in when it arrives. But you know, another good example of it is another game we've talked about on the podcast. You know, if you had Frosthaven 18 months ago, I think you would be a lot more excited about it than right now when you actually received it. I mean, is is that, would you say that's accurate? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have backed it if I hadn't been excited for it. Sure, yeah, yeah. And that's, I don't know, I mean, that's that's obviously a common... Did I, I get tricked into coming to, like, a Kickstarter intervent, intervention <laughs> episode? <laughs> I mean, because no. the truth is, like, this used to be how I was keeping myself off of Kickstarter. And I've Kickstarted more stuff since I basically started my, well, frankly, since I started my political career than I had Kickstarted for five years. So there, that's pro- there's something, something well, FOMO and, you know, I, I need to shrink at this no, point. No, it's, it's basically my assumption, Josh, is that, you know, you're so busy that you don't play games. And so you might as well. Uh, get enjoyment from gaming by buying games instead of playing them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is some of it. And there's some of it that is me being like, ah, oh, geez, I want to keep supporting this industry that I sure, yeah, you know, have yeah. derived so much uh, uh, satisfaction from. Sure. But, you know, come on, it's really the lizard running this this meat machine that's like, go get more, go get more. <laughs> <laughs> I... <laughs> A, a quick uh this is this is going to shock you i'm sure um but one of the things that i've been interested with in japan is um the uh do, do you guys know very much about tokyo disneyland <laughs> i mean my answer is no and compared to you my my answer <laughs> is absolutely not a, a thing probably <laughs> sure so it's I'll, I'll do a real quick uh, info on it and, and why I'm interested in it. Well, other than obviously I'm interested in going to Disneyland and other places, but um, so Tokyo Disneyland is owned and operated by the Oriental land company. It's the only Disney park that is not owned and operated by Disney itself. Okay. And they, they set up the licensing agreement at a time where you know, Disney was like the, the CEO of Disney at the time was like, you know, the Japanese won't leave me alone about, you know, doing this park and like, let's just tell them the most ridiculous terms and they'll leave us alone. And <laughs> they said yes to the terms. And, and so part of why it is uh, interesting to me or appealing to me is that, you know, the Disney parks are um, a money-making endeavor, and a lot of the decisions are, are based on that. And so sometimes they'll cut a corner, or sometimes there are decisions that are made, you know, based on profitability, et cetera, which you would expect in this type of business. Um, but the Oriental Land Company has like kind of a different view of it. They view their park as kind of a national treasure and it is at a quality level that is a higher quality than You're the Disney, me. than the okay. Disney owned parks. Okay. And so like, I, and I say this like as nowhere near the level of fan of Disney that you are, but like that surprises me because I feel like the quality of the quality level at the parks in the U S is pretty strong, especially compared to yeah. other amusement parks. Yes. So they go beyond that. Yes. Wow. So, anyways, there there is a Tokyo Disneyland, and it's also cheaper than <laughs> the American parks. But um, yeah, that is. So my my related follow up question to this report, which you Jay has just blown my mind with, is um, in Let's Go to Japan, the game is one of the cards the Tokyo Park or something like that. I don't that? know. I was looking through it and. Um, I don't know. I think that would be cool or funny if it is, but I did, I did, you know, look at some of the part of it is you're like, it looks like you're collecting various activities. So, you know, um, 
stuff like let me scroll up far enough um go to tokyo tower eat the best ramen um visit the anime <laughs> museum go to a drumming class um okay so. the deck of activities looks huge sure yeah i would probably be a little surprised if it's if it is a really huge deck that they don't if they don't have that as one of the options but yeah no kidding uh, so a related game, Trevor, I want to know if you've ever looked at or played is, this isn't the one I was thinking of, but it's another one that I wanted to ask about, is Tokaido? Um, no, I've never played it. So Tokaido, every, you're it's a beautiful. traveler. Yeah, it is gorgeous, right? You're a traveler crossing the East Sea Road, which is one of the most magnificent roads of Japan, evidently. Uh, and it's all about, like, meeting people, tasting fine mills, collecting items. And so it sounds like sort of a predecessor to Let's Go to Japan. And I also wonder if Let's Go to Japan has an East Sea Road activity in it somewhere. And if you could get caught in like a board game inception. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to know if there's a, uh, a card in your available activities that's play Tokaido. <laughs> <laughs> then you could, you know, mid-game have yes. that. See, that's what you need to do, Josh. What's that Magic the Gathering card? We need to we, have an Inception game. Correct. We need to have an Inception Saturday where you like you play to a particular point in one game, and then you sort of like um, you play star, like a Star Wars theme game. And when you get, you know, you play Rebellion or whatever. But when you get to um, a particular point where they're trying to escape, uh, you jump to um, what's that one where Queen's Gambit or whatever? I, oh you know, my you just, gosh, yeah, yeah. I get what you you're just, suggesting. You zoom into another level and play a different, completely different game. Once you complete and by that, the end of it, you're playing the... some game which is about growing midichlorians. <laughs> uh, no, that you've taken my idea and you've ruined it. No, I ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I was mainly bringing up Tokaido because I feel like since we know you're going to give in eventually and back this thing, that's not that, true. I've had quite a bit of willpower for this sort of thing lately. Sure, sure. No, I like it. I like we we all know willpower is an infinite supply too, so nothing could go wrong. I, I, am, <laughs> I am curious, Josh. Uh, how likely <laughs> is this going to have the unintended consequence of you backing this game now? <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. Uh, but no, probably not. I. Okay. It has not caught my interest as much as it has Trevor's. I mean, don't get me wrong. If Trevor shows up with a copy, which one thing I hadn't looked at is like, what's the playtime on it? it? It doesn't seem like it would be a particularly long game, right? It's more like a filler. Um, no idea. No, the funny thing is the Kickstarter that I currently, or the, the Kickstarter I most recently backed, I actually don't think will fund. And I think I only backed it like for... I, the art really sucked me in. I got to find the dumb thing. It's called lore. And so because I've backed that one, it has the, um, it has sort of the unintended consequence of keeping me disinterested from backing anything else until it either fails or, or funds that was unintentional, but that is like what's happening right now. got to look at where it's at. Yeah. It, it's only got half of its goal and it has really cool art and that's what sucked me in. But, like, I don't think it's going to fund, but it's going to keep me safe for another seven days. <laughs> so take that, Jay. Okay. Real quick, I, I am interested in, um, I guess, some some your guys some of your guys' thoughts about Kickstarter. Um, I know that we have talked about it many times in the past. And backed um, on it frequently. Yeah. And, and Alderac obviously isn't a, um, I would probably say it's fair to call them a mid tier company. Um, they do have a lot of freaking games. I will say that. Yeah. Um, and obviously it's a lot smaller than someone like cool mini doing a Kickstarter, but uh, other than everyone has a distaste or with, with Kickstarter, do you have any issues with a company like Alderac doing a Kickstarter on this game? Oh, that's a really good question. Like I, I do still have sort of a, it's not as strong a reaction as it used to be, but it, it's sort of a visceral reaction of like, can I just get this from my favorite local game store? 
you know, which would of course be the physical uh, discount games Inc. Sure. And, yeah. and, and the truth is like, sometimes that has kept me from backing stuff. Cause I'm like, look, if this is good enough, I will, you'll get it through retail eventually. Yeah. I'll get it through retail eventually. And, you know, and I, I guess I've been able to ignore like all the stupid bonuses that you only get for backing it on Kickstarter or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially with a game like this, where I don't necessarily care about this is the type of game where I will buy it and I will play it, you know, on average, looking at games I've bought in the past, I'll play it twice. And yeah. Three never... times is three times is uh, it's done well. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, honestly, in the last year, there's only two games that I've played three times or more. Um, Terra Nova uh, and Dark Tower. You know, John Company would be there if, if Josh wasn't. Do you mean Arc Nova? If I was, oh Ar- uh, yeah, Arc Nova. Sorry. If I weren't so weak. Yeah, if you if you weren't so weak and doing your civic duty and all that crap. Um, <laughs> but like, those are the only two games I that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, my wife has made me play Quacks of Quellenberg more. There's a third one, but um, those are games. Honestly, those three that I've already mentioned, I will play them probably three more times each. The other games I've played once or twice and probably these are Kickstarter games you're talking about. I'm talking about everything. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah, okay. so why would I back this game and get these extra tokens and extra things when I sorry, now I'm playing devil's advocate to myself. Um, Why would I back it and get these extra things and these extra tokens when when it arrives, I'll play it twice and then I'll never play it again. And the extra tokens generally are extra things come in an extra box or they come with a, something else. And like all of a sudden it becomes difficult to store. You've gotta, yeah. You got to pay all this shipping. Trevor's make me realize something that I, what I should start doing is rewarding myself. Every time I don't back something, I should put that amount of money into a travel jar. And then that's what I should spend to go to things like SaltCon uh, and BGGCon. Cause the truth or, is, or, or just go visit, Gameopolis and yes, yes, you're, <laughs> you're right. But uh, the, I was I was sort of circling back to how you started this conversation or this episode, right? It's just like the thing that I like about cons is that I can go just play a bunch of different games one time and be like, frankly, nine times out of ten, be like, okay, I got the one play out of that that I mm-hmm. ever needed to get in my life. I'm glad I've played it, you know. I, uh-huh. I can talk about it now. It's like I've collected this pathetic Infinity Stone, you know. Yep. And here's the other second caught, part I of that. I have this Pokemon. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, basically. And then I'm like, then I don't got to try to store it like Trevor's saying. Or... Yeah, the, the second part of that, the part that you're not explaining it or not thinking about is if you really do enjoy it, you really love it, you'll just go, you, you'll go home and buy it. And if it's that game that you're going to play more than three times in a year, now you know. You know you don't have to put a game that you are uncertain about on your shelf. You can instead put a game you know you'll want to play again. Yeah, I mean that's similar to you know what happened with me with Return to Dark Tower, where you know I was not I, I never played the original one like Trevor, and so I didn't have any nostalgia for it. And I um after I played it with Trevor, I, I backed the retailer uh, pledge for the um, reprint of it, but you know, I don't even know who or when I'm going to play that game when I buy it. But I knew that I liked it well enough to <laughs> at least collect it. I guess <laughs> at some point, I guess I might play it. Other than my friends' copies, that <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, do how how much? the two of you are a lot more um, tapped into Kickstarter than I am, but there has been a lot of, there, there were, okay. So there's always been people who did games on Kickstarter that there, something came in a cost that was unexpected and you know, the, it ended up, the cost ended up not being what they thought it was going to be. And Obviously, there were, you know, I feel bad for the people who they they actually did. I feel like um, do they had a a good handle on how things should have worked, and then 
the pandemic hit and there were logistics issues, shipping went up, manufacturing went up, inflation, etc. I mean, and, I do feel like some people were failing in this way before the pandemic too, though. They were, sure. yes. And but the probably, pandemic made it worse. Yeah, yeah. And there's, there's probably some who had a bad plan and then the pandemic hit and they're like, it's it's almost like it gave them a uh, an escape route <laughs> of like, man, there's nothing we could have done to uh, <laughs> predict this. We could have never foreseen how terribly this would have come together. Yeah, yeah. but you know, I'm I'm curious, you guys who have a, a little bit better um, pulse on on Kickstarter stuff, how how has all of these circumstances changed the way that games? Um, are marketed on on Kickstarter, and do you feel like things are are getting back to normal? If there is a normal, or what is the new normal? So I'm going to let Trevor answer that more intelligently than me, Jay, because I'm going to say two things. My perception is that there are more established companies using Kickstarter than there were before the pandemic, and so maybe in some ways that means the like plucky startup has you know been greatly diminished by this whole effect you've described. Um, and, and then after Trevor answers, I want to turn the question back on you, Jay, from a retailer perspective, I want to know your feelings on these companies using Kickstarter, you know, in the way that they are. But I don't know, Trevor, what do you say to Jay's question about, you know, the effect that the pandemic has had and has the climate of Kickstarter changed dramatically? So it has changed dramatically in multiple ways. So I'm sure you guys have heard about these or maybe you've and you may have kind of forgotten about them or, you know, as soon as I mention them, they'll they'll come rapidly back to your memory. But there's been multiple situations over the last two years where um, Kickstarter uh, packages or, or um, games have gone back to the backers and said, uh, we totally underestimated the amount of shipping right. it's going to cost. And the only way we're going to be able to ship your games is if you send us more. And so, and it's caused a big hubbub because like, you're basically extorting these people, you know, say we, we've got your games, but the only way you're going to get it is by paying us more than what you've already paid us. And, you know, for me, um, sorry, I'm going to pull up the name of the company because I, I, for the life of me, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Um, but the game that I backed was called Rallyman GT and, um, the company honestly, um, they, I think this happened post-pandemic, so they just they just mismanaged it in many ways, and it's one of those things that happened before. But I think the community is less tolerant of it mm-hmm. than they were before. Um, let's see if I can actually find it. Rallyman Dirt. Oh no, it was. Um, uh, I'm trying to find the original date that it closed and I'm failing. It was intended to be delivered July, 2021. So I'm pretty sure it was post pandemic or at least very beginning of, and they may not have known um, how, how much the, the shipping changes would have changed or, but they went through the entire production process. You know, the, the board games are made. They are sitting in a warehouse in Canada at the, um, the logistics partner who was supposed to ship them out and um, the company that made Rallyman GT or Rallyman Dirt. Um, sorry, not Rallyman GT. That's the other one. Rallyman Dirt, which is the one I backed out, backed, which is a racing game. Um, they, they had produced the games. They'd gotten them to the distributing partner and then they could not pay the payment to the distributing partner to get them to start shipping the games. They owed them, I believe, $80,000 in shipping. And they rather and they chose, rather than coming back to the backers and saying, we've screwed up, we spent your money on other Kickstarter projects, which is what everyone sort of believes they did. They basically took and put the money all in the same pool and used that pool to continue creating products with their company, which... You know, it, it sort of sounds underhanded when you when you say it that way, but the truth is, <laughs> all time all kinds of businesses do that all the time. Sure, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. It's called a change order in my industry. Well, not just that, but you earn money from from a project. That money gets spent on other projects. Right. 
in in your industry, Josh, like you, sure. you get money that comes in. It's in the public. It's in the the company coffers. It's all fungible. <laughs> yeah, but the truth is, is that people don't see it that way on Kickstarter. They see it as we put this much money in this bucket for Kickstarter, and that money was intended to deliver this particular game. And when you spend that money to do other things, they're not very tolerant. Um, so anyway, they they never came to the um, to the backers and said we need more money to deliver this game. They just declared bankruptcy and closed their doors. The games are just to this day are sitting there, and the, the distributor has no way to deal with thousands of people wanting their games. They have no way to take. So money if you to had eighty thousand, do you think you would be able to uh, take possession of these games? No, because <laughs> because. You could so if you had eighty thousand, you could go to the so this is a French company. You could go to the um, the adjudicator of their account and say, yeah. "I will I will pay eighty thousand dollars to buy these games that are in that warehouse and take possession of them." But the problem is, is even once you bought them with that eighty thousand, you would then need to pay another eighty thousand to the distributor to actually get them shipped out. So so whether or not you could buy them. You could probably buy them from the from the. I mean, you could get them from the um, distributing partner, and then you'd have to find logistics to get them out of there, and then put them in your own warehouse and then sell them. Yes, I think that's possible. I I don't really know. I mean, you're still dealing with. Um, I'm assuming that there would be, you know, all kinds a, of contracts, a bankruptcy court, and there is, yeah, who has yeah. claims with what etc right so yeah sure, sure. That yeah makes sense. And they're they're also not equipped for um let me get you the exact number there's there's i think four thousand five thousand backers of this game yeah almost five thousand backers so the bankruptcy court is not is not they're not equipped to deal with five thousand people putting a claim right. down for their um hundred dollar box game each and even right. if they were they're not gonna. They're, that's the last they're gonna pay out. There's other bills due. Right. So anyway, I, I, that was a long story to just say that I think that it has drastically changed the, the other, Kickstarter market as far as shipping is concerned. Right. One of the changes I feel like I've seen, and I'm I'm curious if you feel like this is accurate or not, but I I kind of feel like there's a lot of Kickstarters where you will pay your initial um, pledge. And then, you know, it's pretty explicit that once it comes uh, time for you to get your game, you're going to enter your shipping information in Backerkit, and you are going to be paying for shipping in Backerkit as well. That basically, it's, it's advertised as you have not made a complete payment at this time, you will be expected to pay for your shipping at a later date. What's interesting is Rallyman Dirt, I, because I happen to be looking at it, is it it says right here, right now, on their page, shipping charged after the campaign ends. Right. So at some point, they try, I don't remember, I'm like, honestly, I can't remember. It's but been a saga. Yeah, there's <laughs> been so many delays and other things just, that I'm I'm just blown away sure. they couldn't, like, why would they not have charged like 24 extra bucks of shipping to every one of the 5,000 backers and, huh. Well, because I believe they've already collected shipping. Oh, I see. Right. Okay. Okay. So yeah. they would have to come back to us again right. and say the amount that we charged was not enough. The truth is, is I believe that my my original statement of they had the money and they used it elsewhere and they ran out of money. So to come back to us is really a, I mean, it's really a slap in the face. Hey, we mismanaged your money. We need more of your money to deliver your games. And rather than do that, they've decided to close the doors. So, but I mean, honestly, the truth is, is, I think there's a lot of people who probably would have paid that extortion and bought their game to get their game. I, yeah, at this, I at this so. point, I'm getting nothing. I get yeah, absolutely I mean, would you have, nothing. I won't get my have, game. I won't get my money back. I get zero silver. Right. Would you have paid the extra shipping? Probably. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I can't speak for everybody on the project, obviously. Right. There's, going to be a large well, I'm assuming that they likely refuse. they likely would have had to have hit i'm assuming part of why they didn't do it is they likely needed to hit a certain threshold of like you know i don't know you can't ship half of the games and then still have half of them you know unpaid for or not you know just sitting there in the warehouse <laughs> yeah 
here's here's the second part of it the, what jay mentioned is totally become the standard now you pay for shipping a, a few months at most before they actually get shipped out they will do the right. you pay for it it'll go through production when they're at the shipping partner basically or close to getting to the shipping partner that's when they'll figure out the amounts they will find out your current addresses they will and then they will charge you but the flip side of that has been that some campaigns have come back and said you know here's your shipping charge and fyi it's as much as the game yeah 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 and, and all that of a was sudden, one of the games i think that was kind of the case was um oh we it was based off of a roguelite dungeon crawl but, yeah, I, I can't think of its name either. But the the cost was like two hundred bucks to ship. Right. Right. Is that the one you're thinking of? Yes. Uh, Darkest Dungeon, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Oh my gosh, for real. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were people who had spent, you know, a thousand dollars on their Darkest Dungeon Kickstarter, where they went all in, and all of a sudden their shipping was two hundred dollars. So you know, it just becomes this black hole of money you're throwing into. So many and, sunk cost fallacies that people get to engage in. It's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> I I haven't had any like that, but I've had a few, and I will have one. So the um, I've mentioned it before, but I, I backed the Company of Heroes board game, um, and the uh, the one designer ended up um, passing away, and they so they've got a lot of problems too. And I fully expect that to at some point come back and say, "Sorry, we can't deliver your games because X, Y, and Z." Like I fully expect to just lose my money. And that's a game where I didn't go all the way in because that would have been like a serious amount of money. But I went like eighty percent in, like I jumped in with full feet, mm-hmm. um, but like held on to the side of the, the railing. Um, but so I still spent probably I'm trying to remember. Right around $500, I'm guessing. And I won't be the least bit shocked if either A, they say, sorry, we screwed up, the money's gone, we can't deliver, we can't print, we've had too many problems, you know, fill, fill X, Y, and Z excuses. Or um, they're going to come to me in three years from now and say, we finally got it done, but it's going to cost you 200 extra dollars uh, because of whatever, you know, shipping because of... Uh, packaging that we weren't prepared for whatever and that's a that was a second or third printing of that game so like it's not like they didn't know how much it cost to print or how much it cost to package just things change so quickly yeah okay josh ask ask your question again oh just what is your feeling when these you know publishers like AEG and stuff use kickstarter in this way I, i i was curious what your feeling was from a from a retailer perspective um so on the one hand, I can't really fault them a ton because it's like if I was in their shoes, I can't I, I would likely be very interested in, in pursuing a similar path. Um, it turns out that, you know, the amount of funding that they are seeking, if, if you just want to do fund this project yourself, coming up with that amount of money is not easy. There's, there's not even someone like AEG would likely, um, you know, struggle to secure that. And if when you start multiplying that over a lot of pro- products or projects, yeah. Um, and also it, you know, it, um, th- you know, if you let's let's say I invest half a million dollars into a project and everything goes wrong, is that going to put me out of business as opposed to, you know, if you are doing it through this, uh, if everything goes wrong, you know, the risk is obviously passed on to the customer and, you know, maybe the optics look bad or maybe you lose your customers, but there is, but it's also not a half a million dollars that I fronted or that I took a loan out on or whatever. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know. It's it's. I, I understand why we're in this place. It's also like the the board game industry is just such a really weird segment for game companies because you know I I feel like Gameopolis has a a pretty good uh, board game section for a game store, but it's also like a drop in the bucket <laughs> compared to. I was just wandering through Board Game Geek during this episode, trying right. to find more Japan-themed games, and I'm like, 
Holy cow, there's a lot. And there's, there's <laughs> like, I, I'm just inundated by board games, solicitations that are never, I that I don't get because uh, it would just be like lighting money on fire and they would never sell. Mm-hmm. But, you know, obviously there, there is a market for those games. That market just isn't my store. <laughs> and so, you know, I guess I'm glad that, um, you know, something like, obviously something like cool mini some of their big things etc they are um ones that that would be popular potentially at my store but um i'm impressed you know, at the maturity of this point of view that you've expressed with us <laughs> i mean it's the the board game you know segment of of a game store is just really difficult there's there's evergreen games um but those are you know, they, they make the bulk of the money, but, you know, or a, a small fraction of the games make the bulk of the money for a game store. Um, and, and I just, you know, other than like saying that you'll do special orders or something, I don't know how you service the other games and stay in business. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I don't know. I know that it's something that Brian has, um, been worried about, like, you know, Kickstarter is going to ruin the game industry and put us out of business or stuff like that. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going to kill humanity or the industries, but I don't think it's likely to be Kickstarter. <laughs> so. Sounded briefly like the poem about fire and ice. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. All, All right. right. Well, good talk. Let's wrap things up there. Um, let us know what you guys think of let's go to japan i i did sign up for the alderac alpha store programs so that i can potentially get it um from for gameopolis um and let us know what you guys think of kickstarter and have a great week